You're listening to the Pure Fury Creations Entertainment Network. The views and opinions expressed on this episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or philosophies of the PFC Entertainment Network or any of the affiliates that make this show possible. This show has also been rated M for mature audiences only. Uh, We are going to uh, tackle a genre of sorts. But you and I didn't have any clue what the hell we were going to do. We're going to talk about movies, we're going to talk about TV shows, we're going to talk about toys, we're going to talk about, you know, all the things that made this such such an important part. I love toys. I'm Jason Klaus. I'm Sean Grugel. And we are power tripping the 80s here on the pfc podcast network powered by anchor.fm hello everybody welcome to power tripping through the 80s here on the pfc entertainment network along with sean krugel i am jason klaus we certainly appreciate you Tuning in this week as we do each and every week, um, kind of a special split edition of the show here in terms of our respective locations. The previous two weeks, I was on location. Sean was at his home studio. Now we've kind of switched roles here. I am home in Genesee County. You are not, sir. You are uh, actively on vacation, but you've taken the time to do the damn thing here. So how are you feeling? I like we got on the call and the first thing I said was you look so happy. <laughs> uh, I'm nowhere near uh there's not a not a major grocery store chain in sight up here. <laughs> so we'll just put it like that. Uh there is no dramatic mother-in-laws. There is no uh People not filling my cup up here because my cup's filled with all this old smoky moonshine up here and I'm having a ball. Vacation mode is fully activated. Well, I'll tell you, and this is, I mean, all jokes aside, if anybody, if anybody deserves that, it is certainly you because you're one of the hardest working dudes I know. And like, I know what you put into your shoot job. I know what you put in to your everyday. So for you to be able to have that experience, I mean, it resonates clearly because like I said, man, it is evident as soon as you came on the screen here, I'm like, that is one happy dude right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, in full disclosure, I'm going to see what I can do to, uh, to join you here in a day or two. So because I very much need that as well. You know, yes, you this, do. this last week has been nothing short of a complete and total 
fucking nightmare. And uh, so that, you know, I'm glad we're doing this because, you know, this doing this, I guess right now, this is my happy place sitting here, you know, and recording and making content for the, for the network. But more specifically, I get to do it with you. So, you know, I'm here for it. Hey, man, I was uh, before we went on vacation. I was busting my butt at home, making sure I got content in the can, so to speak. To yeah. make sure that three minute nostalgias were ready to go. Uh, I was helping that Levi guy get the heat vents ready to go. But then it's like we're doing power tripping through the 80s on location. Right. <laughs> so, but uh, speaking of which, did you get to see the upcoming three minute nostalgias yet? And what did you think? You don't have to tell the subject. I'm just curious. I actually I have not watched them yet. I okay. have them, I have them downloaded in into my phone because and I have reminders set in my phone. Okay, this one drops on this day. This one drops on that day. Um, I have not had a chance to watch them yet. Well, I do have some good news. Okay. I love good we news. Got, well, the eBay account all of a sudden took off. I don't know if it's from our listeners. I would love to get some feedback on our Facebook, if it's our listeners or not. But we're... Just about halfway there to that call from Emmanuel Lewis. So is that uh, right? That's right. So no one's bought a cameo from that Levi guy yet. So that kind of pisses him off. And uh, <laughs> but hey, Listen, they're, they're buying stuff from the eBay account, so I'm good with this. The wind blows the wrong way, and Levi is pissed off. I mean, that's just the way it goes at this point. It's so funny. He got he gets so pissed off at that little kid that does the commercials for for the cafe press store. I right. hope I hope that Levi doesn't run into that kid because uh, I see jail time in the future for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if we if if we needed to pop a rating, as they say. I could probably arrange it where we could get on a conference call where you got Levi on one side and little Billy on the other one. Cause that could make for some entertaining audio. Might have to, yeah, you or I might have to officiate that because <laughs> I don't think that'll be pretty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe oh. we can get Amy Sheridan in there to officiate that. <laughs> So, Maybe we can bring her out of retirement to ring announce that shit. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. She'd probably be all about it. Speaking of, um, this is kind of a sidebar, but along the lines of what we're talking about, you know, in the last couple of weeks, we've been uploading a lot of new merchandise to our online store, which is powered by cafepress.com forward slash PFC network. And um, there's there's a new campaign on what's called the PFC All-Stars. And there's new merchandise up there. And like you and I are included in that lineup. Us, that Levi guy, and, and Amy Sheridan. And um, so I mean it's we're kind of we're kind of like the um, the Mount Rushmore, if you will, <laughs> of the PFC network. So it's kind of cool, man. Kind of cool. So Let's talk about why we're here today. Unless you got something else you'd like to bring to to the conversation. I I I, I have one. Okay. So you sent me a sample of the shirt. One yes. of the shirts. 
Yes. What if you did this? Okay. B, Basher. A, Amy. L, Levi. S, Sean. PFC Network, we got balls. <laughs> there goes the note taken. <laughs> uh, it just hit me. It was like an epiphany of sorts. You know, some smartass is, is, is going to see that, and they're going to be like, what's bowels? Because <laughs> and I'm trying to think, do we have anybody with with L in their name that we can incorporate and the answer is absolutely fucking not. So <laughs> we're gonna have to hire somebody and 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 part of their application process is going to be your name has to incorporate it has to, either first or last has to start with L. So if you have a name <laughs> oh we are ridiculous. Absolutely. I, I just thought of something else, man. We could always have B L L B L A Q S. We have blacks. No, 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 no offense, Q. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> this, you know, there. Speaking of Q, there's a like a whole chunk of new shit that's got his name and and likenesses, and I like I I didn't even tell him about it. Like I sent him. Yeah some pictures of it he's like oh my goodness that is awesome so i think he's placing an order that guy isn't like like working for maximum male models that's one good looking son of a bitch that q i mean i see him on facebook with his i think it's his daughter and i'm like damn q look q looks like someone stepped right off of hollywood boulevard and you know getting ready to put his you know hands in cement i mean that guy if, only I can, if I can only clean up half that good, uh, you know, I, I'd be pretty proud of myself. So, you know, that's a guy that you just had the uh, 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 Q and Klaus show here this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to throw out the details on that, don't you? Well, it is uh, hopefully by the time you hear this, uh, it will be available on demand through ONTV's YouTube channel. Uh, it, it is available if you if you do follow the Klaus and Q show or the PFC network on Facebook. You should be able to go down the uh, the news feed there and see a link from the actual Facebook broadcast. It stays up there for a little while up until the YouTube part is is uploaded, and then I think they they take it down from from Facebook, but. Uh, we do have a special episode that's coming up on August 11th, and it's actually going to be a SummerSlam recap show, uh, much like we, we did when we previewed WrestleMania uh, back in the spring. You were a part of that conversation, um, and with, with SummerSlam happening in Detroit this year, we figured, well... By the way the schedule broke down, our, our August taping is after SummerSlam. So we are going to very much do the same format um, and review SummerSlam that happens in Ford Field. Q is actually going to be at that show. So he will have a whole different perspective of what happens on that night versus where like you and I are watching it on pay-per-view. So... 
something to look forward to august 11th 6 p.m it's also hulk hogan's birthday so it's going to be a celebration of sorts in in that regard at least for for me anyway <laughs> sounds like it could be a fun show man i honestly i don't even know any of the matches on SummerSlam, it hasn't held my interest at all. The only thing I'm into right now is the bloodline. So, well, by all by all accounts, it seems like they're uh, really working towards Roman and Jey Uso uh, for the Universal Title, and apparently it's going to be Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar again. That's as far as I know. Um, at this point, I don't think there's been anything officially announced, but they better start doing it because there's only a handful of less than a handful of weeks uh, before th this event takes place. So, and there's not Jay a whole Uso. lot. Jay Uso's not the guy. You don't think so? If Cody wasn't the guy, Jay isn't the guy. See, I think I would rather see Jay be the guy over Cody. I just don't see Cody as. I don't see him where they're trying to put him. Jay Uso is, I don't know. Okay, listen, we, we, we should probably put this over on the turnbuckle time machine, you know, but be that Hell, as a man. You know Let, let's record two episodes this week. Let's okay. record this one. Let, let's okay. talk SummerSlam. Let's talk some wrestling. We haven't done that on this show, except when we were talking about the eighties. So, and you and I, we've been talking about wrestling outside of this anyway. So, what the hell? Let's flip the script. Never been done here on Power Tripping Through the 80s. We're going to talk about wrestling now. But what we could do is compare some of these storylines to what they were in the 80s without yeah. any history, without any lookup, without any list. This could be an interesting episode, Jason. So do you want to do that here right now on, on this here week? right now. Just spur the moment. All right, well, then, let me, I'll just go ahead and put my cartoon list right to the, right to the fucking side. Let's roll. <laughs> roll, man. <laughs> See, so if it does wind up being Jay versus Roman, there is no way in the world they could put that belt on Jay because what happens to his brother and what happens to Solo? I think they're going to build Solo for the match with Roman. Not saying that Solo is the guy to take it off of Roman, but they're going to put Solo over Jay and Jimmy. Solo Sokoa is, like, I wasn't sure about this guy initially when I saw him in NXT. Like, I heard about him before he came to NXT because there's just so much spotlight on the Samoan dynasty right now. Right, obviously, because Roman Reigns is the face of WWE at this point. It has been for a long time. Solo Sokoa. Now, when I when I watch him now, I'm like, that dude is the one of the next big stars. Is he's built? They're working his what? They're working him up the ladder the right way. I feel like, and they haven't done that since umaga now umaga got pushed right to the main event had a feud with john cena and all of this stuff but for whatever reason it didn't resonate long term i feel like solo sokoa has a lot of potential to be a big time player for the long haul 
if they're willing to put the rocket to them because there's something about that kid that stands out in my opinion what would you think if they brought rikishi in to manage solo so it makes all the sense in the world here's my issue with this rikishi is such a big man i have a real issue visually seeing the manager be larger than the wrestler you see what i'm saying and i thought about this the other day because you and i had a conversation about braun breaker uh and and eventually you know very soon i assume he's going to be called up to the main roster and where he may lack is in, is in his verbal skills and you had said well what if they brought scott steiner in as his manager and at first i was like yeah, man you know scott can talk i mean it, it's incoherent a lot of times but he can still talk you know you're going to get a sound bite from him but on, on paper i you know visually he's a more physical you know presence than Braun Breaker is, and it, it it would suck for the manager to take away from the wrestler. That would be my my only hang up with Rikishi coming in and managing solo. See, in a sense, I don't have a problem with that, and the reason is this: you keep building Solo as a heel, and you have him turn on Rikishi and build him as a bigger heel to take down Roman because Roman, by and large, okay, he's a heel, but you and I both know he's, he's what they call a tweener. Yeah. 70% of that crowd cheers Roman, while 30% boo him. 99% of them cheer him when he screams, acknowledge me, and names the name of the town. Solo, on the other hand, you have him take out a member of the Bloodline Dynasty that's going to build Roman as a bigger face, but it's going to build Solo as the bigger heel in the storyline because he wants to be the head of the table. You see where I'm going with it? I do. I do. But do that, you... you're absolutely right. But that's the thing that's missing in pro wrestling nowadays is managers. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, look at the great managers that we had in the 80s. <laughs> 80s and going into the 90s i mean but specifically the 80s because it seemed like if you were a heel especially in the wwf which is what you and i paid most most attention to if you were a heel you had a manager you were part of somebody's stale it was either mr fuji or jimmy hart or bobby the brain heenan classy freddie blassie slash slick because, you know, Slick bought the contracts of Hercules and Iron Sheik and Volkoff when uh, when Blassie retired. Right. Um, but you you were part of somebody's stable. And it was not necessarily a faction. It was a stable. Well, I mean, the Heenan family was a faction. The Heenan family. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Um, but, like, the Hart Foundation wasn't a stable it was the team and then you had that you know you had them and then you then you had the honky tonk man and you had danny davis they weren't a faction they were a stable there is a difference i got into an argument about this not all that long ago and uh 
But yeah, I mean, in this day and age, you you can look back over the last 15 years and look at these talents that had everything in the ring and presentation-wise. However, their lack of verbal skills is what doomed their their success. Had they had a Paul Heyman, had they had a Jim Cornette, had they had a J.J. Tillen, somebody as a mouthpiece, I feel like that would have elevated their stock and their entire career could, could have gone in a totally different direction. Long Absolutely. Term. And as we're talking about the managers, I got to thinking, why wouldn't they bring back Armando Alejandro Estrada? That guy was great. And, and to manage solo. Yeah. Oh, man, that would be money. He was phenomenal. He and was. He's, he's on Cameo. He's still around. Right. I mean, I, I don't know what he. That package of him and Umaga is what helped put Umaga into the main event because right. they, they were such an entertaining package. Another one more recently that that they had in a manager role and excelled at it was MVP. Yes. That, I mean, I would not have bought Bobby Lashley as world champion without MVP as his manager. The whole Hurt Business thing, they pulled the plug on that way too soon. Way yeah. too soon. That could have been the that could have been a variation of what the four horsemen were in their heyday. Yeah. Uh I think the WWE gets scared a lot of times when they have someone that they don't know how to take up to that next step. So they pulled a plug on him right away. A perfect example of this, and he's kind of an asshole now, is Ryback. Yeah. Ryback was getting huge. He was getting bigger pops than John Cena. And, I, you know, backstage rumor talk is, is that Cena didn't like the fact that Ryback was getting more attention than he was, and that's why they got rid of Ryback. But if you would have kept Ryback Hill heel, and put him with someone like a Harvey Whippleman. I, yeah. I loved Harvey Whipple. Downtown Bruno is probably one of the most underappreciated managers that's ever come out of the business. But if you could have put so you know a real small guy with Ryback who could talk, that I think that would have put Ryback well over the top. Um, I know you don't watch AEW. But they don't have managers. They have what they're calling hype men. Have you no, seen it? No, but it doesn't surprise me that 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 I mean, but they're essentially a manager, right? No, I don't watch AEW. I've tried, dude. Like we've talked about this. I've tried. Their their whole presentation is juvenile to me. I I, I know I'm going to get shit for that, but like that's how I perceive it. It's going to get interesting since they put out the list of band moves and whatnot. Right. Um, but uh, this guy comes out with Pentagon Jr. And uh, I can't think of the other guy's name off the top of my head. And he does nothing. He comes out and he does poses and he gets the crowds to cheer. And he doesn't talk on a microphone. He, 
he he jumps around and just looks silly. I would almost rather have valets come down to the ring anymore than than someone who who is classified a hype man but serves no purpose. You know, at right. least a, a valet they were there. Well, we know what a valet was there for. It was to sell, you know, TNA for God's right. sakes. But uh, not total nonstop action either, by the way. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, managers of the '80s, like Captain Lou Albano, one of the biggest heels in the world until he got to the '80s, until the Rock and Wrestling uh, connection, and then as soon as he got his affiliation with Cindy Lauper became one of the most loved fan favorite managers out there. And he, he managed some of the baddest bad guys that ever came out of the eighties. The wild Samoans right at the top of that list. When he was managing the wild Samoans and this ties into the whole Roman and, and solo conversation. Um, holy shit. You want to talk about lightning rod for controversy. Because you got to think, man, this was back in the late 70s going into the early 80s. Shit was way different back then. They got away with so much more shit back then than they could here and now. And Captain Lou Albano, like people wanted this dude dead going into the garden. I mean, he was getting pelted with beer bottles and all kinds of shit. And you... You know, you bring the Cindy Lauper effect in into it in the mid '80s during the whole rock and wrestling boom, and for him to make that switch is a testament to him for one, because I mean that was his gimmick. He like I don't even think he was a face when he was a wrestler, but you know he became one of the most popular figures of that era. So, I mean, kudos to Captain Lou, because all these years later, we're still talking about him. We're talking about him more so nowadays than the Grand Wizard, who is, you know, by and large, by historians, he's he's like the poster child of what a classic manager was. But he didn't make that long-term effect like a Captain Lou Albano or even, or even Harvey fucking Whippleman. Right. Well, look at some of the guys that Harvey Whippleman managed, though, and they only did it to enhance their size. You know, I mean, for God's sakes, Giant Gonzalez, you know, uh, but putting Harvey Whippleman next to him and Harvey could talk. You couldn't understand a Giant Gonzalez because he was from the Philippines, but he was like a legit seven foot tall. But when you put Harvey Whippleman next to him, then they can announce it as being seven foot six, seven foot seven, because he looked that much taller when he's standing next to Harvey Whippleman. If you could do something like that for Solo, I mean, I, I Solo doesn't talk. I love the fact that he doesn't talk because when he says something, it means it's very something. short. Yeah, yeah, very minimal. And it does. It, it means something, and you are listening to it. So, and that that's that's how you build a proper heel. I hope they, they're going this route. I, I I think they'll build a bigger baby face in Roman by doing that. But then people are going to complain that Cody Rhodes isn't going to get his shot at Roman at next WrestleMania. I think Cody Rhodes will turn heel if Roman turns completely face. Do you think if they make the transition and 
book Roman Reigns as a full-blown face, will he be as impactful that way than he is now? Because I feel like a lot of his aura or his presentation is the fact he is positioned as a heel. But because of what he's doing, that he, like he's winning the fans over in spite of the booking. And we haven't seen that in a long time. But it, they can make the mistake of flipping that script, making him a full-fledged babyface. Is that going to kill his, his momentum? They can't make him the hand-slappy, baby-kissing good guy. They have to treat him the same way they treated Stone Cold Steve Austin. Keep having Roman doing everything he's doing. Keep having the people cheer him because he is the bad guy. You know what I'm saying? You, I look at Roman now, and it's that 90s attitude era effect. People are cheering the heel. You got to keep Roman heel. But you, the only thing is, is you have to make his opponent a bigger heel. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but like I said, if you were to bring in Rikishi, who a beloved WWE Hall of Famer, bring in Rikishi, who was a part of the bloodline, to manage Solo to go against Roman, I don't know if there's a mistake that happens or something like that, but maybe Rikishi causes Solo to lose a match or bumps into him or whatever. You have Solo turn on him, and you have Roman come in and hit Solo with the Superman punch. You, you see, you, you kept Roman the same. You just made Solo the bigger heel because now you're getting the sympathy pop for Rikishi. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, I I really think the only way to keep it going is to keep it going the way it is by using that Stone Cold Steve Austin effect. You know, keep 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 your heels. To baby faces and vice versa. We've uh, spent a lot of time here talking about Solo and what his his potential is. Right here and now, the the shift is, or the focus is on Jey Uso. Now, what is it about Jey Uso that is not checking a box for you in terms of being a main event player and potentially, if they were to go this route? If he was to dethrone Roman Reigns, what? Why is that a, an issue for you? Because I'm more old school, okay. And, and and the reason why I'm saying this is number one, I've always had a hard time with the Usos from the time they debuted to the time they were wearing the prison jumpsuits to the ring to the fact that they were wearing tennis shoes in the ring and they were supposed to be Samoan. You know, at that point in time, I had a really hard time with them. The transition that they've done has, has been magic. But my issue is, is a couple things. Number one, I don't feel he's big enough uh, physically to take out Roman in a believable ma manner. Uh, number two, in the Uso tag team, there isn't a Marty Jannetty and there isn't a Shawn Michaels. I don't think there's a standout either way, you know. I, I, I feel they are a tag team. They're going to be a tag team. And I don't think they'll ever split them apart 
from being a tag team. I, I, I know it's a horrible, mean thing to say, but like you and I, when we were a tag team, there was nothing more I wanted to do than to continue to tag team with you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I think the only reason why Jay is probably going along with this is because he knows it's going to continue the storyline. But in that same regard, wrestling, especially the WWE, is about making money. And you're not going to sell as many wrestling figures of Jay Uso as a singles wrestler as you are of Roman Reigns carrying three belts. Just my opinion. Can't argue that from from a marketing standpoint, I totally see that. And that's that is an aspect not a lot not a lot of people, specifically fans, even more specifically younger fans, that take into consideration. Because you and I um are old school, but we also bring different perspectives to the table that by the, the the majority of younger fans don't have. You and I were in the business on different ends of the spectrum. You have different experiences than I do. I spent just as much time behind the scenes as a promoter as I did in the ring as a performer. So when you take that that mentality into it, and especially with the billion dollar empire that world wrestling entertainment has become, you have to take into consideration how many action figures is Jey Uso going to sell? How many t-shirts with his face or his name or his likeness or his logo are going to be going off the shelves? Um, You make a very good point in terms of the tag team because nowadays, when you look at a tag team, you we are almost pre-programmed to look at a team and be like, which one's Sean? Which one's Marty? Right? And you're absolutely right. In the Usos, one does not stand out more. I think the reason the reason why Jay Uso is in the spotlight right now because he has singles experience because of an injury to his brother Jimmy. And it made sense in the storyline. Now we're going back to the pandemic thing, the pandemic era, the Thunderdome era of WWE. When Roman was, you know, very early on in his title reign, they had Jey Uso as his opponent. I I think they wound up wrestling at hell in the cell that year in the Thunderdome. So what happens in the Thunderdome is one thing, but now you are performing in front of a live crowd. Now, the response that Jay is getting in his promos is encouraging for the here and now. But is that sustainable? Probably not. You know, I think right now there's just so much focus on how many days Roman Reigns stands as champion. Anybody and everybody, for the most part, that they're going to position with Roman is kind of looked upon as, is this a guy? Now, I would be more apt to believe that Jey Uso could take down Roman Reigns over a Logan Paul. Even though the match that he and Logan Paul, uh, Roman and Logan Paul had late last year exceeded my expectations because Logan Paul 
should not be as talented as he is, but he is. And he's putting in the work, and I'm not shitting on him. But I did not see him as a guy that is going to take down Roman Reigns until I found myself watching this match. I'm like, motherfucker, they're going to they're gonna do this. They're going to put the title on him. But, I mean, Roman pulled it out, but that's a testament to Logan Paul. But I know, I know we're talking about two different types of performers here, but if it's not Jey Uso and it's not Cody Rhodes, who is the guy that is the most, and okay, take Solo off, off the table because we just broke that down. If they don't go the Solo route, is there another guy in WWE right now other than Brock Lesnar that is a legitimate threat to dethrone Roman Reigns? I have to think that they got to turn the dial up on this guy. They're going to have to give him a manager. They're going to, and you already know what I'm going to say. I've seen that glint in your eye. Um, when Braun Breaker makes that jump, I think Braun Breaker is going to be one of the only viable, sustainable guys. But in my opinion, they got to do something with his gimmick. You know, for me, the bad guy thing isn't working for him. The good guy thing isn't working for him. They, they, they got to tap into whatever this kid's got because there's something there. It's, it's just, they got to find, and I hate to use this term, but they got to find a dusty Rhodes to get it out of Braun Breaker. It's there. It just it has to be cultivated into something that's more marketable than what a Braun Breaker currently is. Do you feel like he is? You said that, and I'm and I'm sitting here thinking, what's missing? Because he's got all the tools physically. Do you think he's fully invested in the whole Braun Breaker name? And if not, is that a a subconscious reason why he is not where he probably should be at this point? I would love to see him adopt the Steiner last name. Um, I've always, I, I know, I know the philosophy in WWFE, whatever is to give these guys their own platform to start from and not go off of their family name. But like a perfect example like I had such high hopes for Curtis Axel. I knew you were going to say him. Yeah. I had such high hopes for him. But then you look at a guy like Ted DiBiase Jr. who shit all over the name, you know? So I guess in a sense, you, well, okay, we can go back even to the 80s. David Sammartino. Sammartino, yeah. Eric Watts. You know? Yes, Eric. Oh my God, Techno Team Two Thousand, Eric Watts. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, with Breaker, he has he has it. I mean, you watch him in the ring; he wrestles so much like his dad. And his dad, I think his dad only went so far as to what the United States title or something like that in WCW or television title and television WCW. title for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of well, of course, multi-time tag team champion. The only other person I could see taking the title off of Roman Reigns 
And I'm not talking about one of our retro characters. I'm not talking about a Stone Cold Steve Austin or Undertaker or someone like that. I'm talking about someone making the transition from another company, whether that's TNA or AEW, coming over here with to so much fanfare, kind of like how Jericho did when yeah. he made the jump. You have you have to find that magic. And right now, the only magic that I see happening is Roman Reigns. <laughs> I mean, he can hold that belt till he's 70 years old at this point for all I care. And I don't even like Roman Reigns. I like the storyline. No, we're not going to, I don't, I mean, you said Jericho-esque type of debut or arrival to WWE from another organization. Obviously, when you're talking about wrestling organizations, you're talking about two of them right now. You're talking about WWE and All Elite Wrestling. But like right under that is Impact and MLW and the NWA and, and all of this. MJF, to me, oh. is the only guy in the business right now that could have that Jericho type of debut in oh WWE. You said his name. I wasn't even thinking him at that point. I got goosebumps thinking about it. I could see MJF even mimicking Jericho's debut yeah. with the countdown. What oh. an ultimate fuck you that would be, right? I mean, I, if I he was to clean mimic. myself up, I'm hard. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, God, it's over. I know I shit on AEW a lot. I and listen, I'm not going to apologize for it because that's not. That's just not my brand, man. Like I've tried, but MJF, if I'm flipping through, and I see that he's on the screen, and especially if he's talking, you have my attention. That dude has carved out his spot at 25, 26 years old. He is still very young. Like, yeah. he's got the whole fucking future in front of him. And it's just a matter of time before he makes the jump to WWE. He, he talks about it all the time. It's just a matter of time. And I, and I don't know if, if he's using that as a psychological advantage over Tony Khan to make sure that he gets the deal that he wants or the money that he wants. But eventually... The money will only go so far because if you're going to be on that level, you want to be creatively taken care of as well. AEW is only going to go so far with them, I feel like. You come over to WWE where the machine is behind you, he, his stock is going to go through the roof if they allow him to be MJF. Yeah, that, that's the key. They got to allow him to be who he is. I mean, MJF reminds me of a cross between a Chris Jericho and a Rowdy Roddy Piper. Unapologetic. Absolutely. Yeah. Unapologetic for what he says. Unapologetic for what he does. But at the same time, the man can wrestle and he does some shit that even I'm like, where did that come from? And I know you're not watching it, but they're doing amazing things right you can tell right off the bat that Jimmy Jacobs influence jumping to AEW 
you you can see Jimmy Jacobs influence all over the storyline with Adam Cole and MJF. It's some of the funniest shit I've seen come out of AEW like ever. And it's so WWE esque and it's really bringing out a character in Adam Cole that you've never really seen before. And Adam Cole, I had a lot of hope for when he was with the WWE, not so much when he got to AEW, but now that they're doing this thing together with him and MJF, you know, I, I, I get that little tingle. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but man, MJF coming to WWE, the challenge Roman reigns that that is money hand over fist money. You you're right. Now, that's the kind of match, that's the kind of booking that would sell out 100,000, be a, a huge contributor in the sellout of a 100,000-seat stadium like AT&T Stadium in Texas. Because as wrestling fans, you know, by and large, there's such a, there's such a division right now. There are those who are Hardcore WWE, there are hardcore AEW fans, and there's some in the middle that will watch everything. But if you put Roman Reigns versus MJF under the banner of WrestleMania, it, you, I mean, that is that would be probably um, one of, if not the biggest grossing WrestleManias of all time, in my opinion. And there's not yeah. a lot of guys out there that would generate that kind of buzz. You would have to hope that the Dave Meltzer's of the world and the uh, Dave LaGreca's and these, you know, shit stirring shit writers who I absolutely hate would keep their mouth shut to keep the surprise of MJF coming over. Man, if I, if I was in charge of the WWE, I would book it so much like when Medusa came to WCW and have MJF throw the AEW title in the trash. And, oh, man, I'm telling you. Either that or have him, oh, dude, what if Paul Heyman turned on Roman and MJF had all four titles when he came to the ring? Oh, I got to go clean <laughs> up again. Good Lord. Uh... Paul Heyman. MJF on a mic together would be so good. <laughs> yes. However, MJF doesn't need a Paul Heyman. No, he don't. Now, no, he you want to put Paul Heyman with Braun Breaker, that could be something. Yeah. Uh, but if that was the case, Braun Breaker would never talk again. I would never let him talk. I would build him the same as Solo Sokoa. Yeah, that's that's true too. That's true too. You know, it's kind of like uh, Malachi Black. What the fuck was his name in WWF? E. Alistair. Alistair. Alistair Black. You know, when that guy first came out, I was like, okay, this guy's got all the potential in the world. And Danny talked. I'm like, this guy's got Mike Tyson syndrome. Should have never let him talk at all. You know, that's a guy that unique look, unique presentation um his entrance was badass it was you know it stood out he was starting to gain a fan following um for me it just like i i would i wanted him to be something because he looked like 
fix something. But then I look at guys like him that I feel like is only going to get so far, but has potential to do other things. So what can we do to repackage him? This is where I feel like there needs to be a strong resurgence in tag teams. Really good, solid, established tag teams. We haven't had that in a long time across the board. But you take a Malachi Black, Alistair Black, whatever, team him with a carrying cross with Scarlett as their manager, that is the makings of a good tag team. Because but you said one important thing there. What's that? You said Scarlett as their manager. Yeah. She needs to talk. She needs to stop dancing or lip syncing that song to the ring. I've, I've known this lady. I've heard her promos on indie shows that I was on with her. Let her talk. <laughs> she She's actually fairly decent and only going to get better with practice and time. Right. So, um, let's, I think let's, we should call this episode "Power Tripping Through the Time Turnbuckle Time Machine." <laughs> I I can make I know a guy. I, you know <laughs> we can make that happen. <laughs> oh hell's bells! So uh, let, what's that? Go ahead. Go well, ahead. I was going to say, you know, we we start we started talking about tag teams and the lack thereof. You know, you look back at the. 70s and 80s um i mean tag team matches especially when the territories were a thing were oftentimes billed as main events you're talking about like you put the rock and roll express versus the midnight express on a poster down south and in in the carolinas that was an automatic fucking sellout you put the road warriors on there with the powers of pain, just the physical, just the pictures alone. You're selling out in in the Carolinas. You look in uh, in the WWF, especially in the in the 70s. We you know we talked about the Wild Samoans, but even post them, you had you know Murdoch and Adonis, you had Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas, you had Rick Martell and Tony Correa. I know I'm going way back here, but like these were oftentimes selling out Boston Garden, Meadowlands Arena, Madison Square Garden. You put a you put a tag team match on a pay-per-view unless it is your four solo main event guys against you know two uh, you know two on two, you don't get that anymore. Why? Why is there not more emphasis on the art that is tag team wrestling? Uh, Vince McMahon didn't seem seem too big on uh, tag team wrestling, but if you watch Hunter Hunter's influence in NXT, he was trying to rebuild the tag team division out there, right. but. And and my opinion though, when you're putting guys together like Chase University or the Creed Brothers, or you know, I do like uh Skithem, Schism. I, I do like them, but those guys were grizzled young veterans at one time. They were amazing. Um, you know, there are good tag teams in NXT, but when you get to the WWE, you got guys like Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens who are just thrown together and you make them their champions. And, right. and my opinion, 
while they might have that kind of chemistry in the ring to where they are a tag team, you listen to the crowd and the crowd reaction. You have your Shawn Michaels and you have your Marty Jannetty in that tag team. And we all know who is who. Well, some may have some skewed or varied opinions on that, but Sammy is Shawn. Kevin is Marty, you know, um, what other tag teams you got out there right now? You got, uh, the Chad street Gable. profits, I feel like, should be one of those teams that the entire division is centered around. However, Montez Ford is on the verge of a breakthrough if they would just pull the damn trigger on him. Yep, Montez Michaels, absolutely, because <laughs> he he is John Michaels. That I, I, you know, I've made no, no, no uh, secret about the fact that Montez Ford is the star and that, and that tag team. Uh, but you know, if they were to create a faction and make him the triple H of said faction, let's say, I wouldn't have a problem with it. You know, I would like to see, uh, the street profits kind of tag team with the, the hurt business, like the entire hurt business, you know, and make, I, I know people would compare them to the, nation of domination but come on they all got a set of skills that group of people that they would all stand out separately but together as a faction they 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 could grow as a whole because you know what what the hell is bobby lashley doing anymore you know i, I he just showed up that guy had all the skills and the, the look in the world but he never reaches the apex i think that the creative wants him to do you know because no one can buy into him as a world champion yeah it's a shame too because i mean that that's another guy that's got all the tools and like i wanted to buy it i was happy for him when he finally won the wwe title but at the same time it's like there's something missing from the presentation Yeah. You talk about teams, and we used the the Usos earlier as an example, where you don't have a Sean and a Marty type of situation with the Usos. By and large, another tag team that we can put under that category are the Viking Raiders. One does not stand out above the other. They are the Viking Raiders. They are the bigger, more aggressive version of what. I know, I know there, there's going to be a lot of people that have an issue with this correlation, but the Bushwhackers, okay? The Bushwhackers were the Bushwhackers. I mean, before that, they were the sheep herders, and they were a completely different presentation than what we saw in the WWF. But the Viking Raiders are of that aura because they are the tag team. You cannot take Eric and make him a main event guy. You can't take Ivar and put the intercontinental title on them and make it make sense. That does not happen here. Um, You mentioned uh, the Alpha Academy. Uh, Chad Gable. Like, I'm conflicted on this dude. Like, I, he entertains the shit out of me. He annoys me, but he entertains me. Fucking Otis. 
I felt like Otis and Tucker, when they were heavy machinery, they were one of those tag teams that, you know, that could have been an established tag team to build the division around. And I realized Otis was getting more uh, popularity and stuff, but it wasn't on the level to make him a main event star. Dude, when he won Money in the Bank in 2020, I'm like, you just pissed this whole event away by putting this thing on him. He is not the guy. He does not have it. Uh, but in, in the meantime, you have totally fucked over Tucker. Where is he even at nowadays? I don't know. I don't even know if he's wrestling on the Indies anymore. He was at one point, but heavy machinery were your new twin towers, as far as I'm concerned. And yeah. you know, breaking down. But then you put Otis and Gable together, and Gable just stands head and shoulders above Otis in terms of personality, Charisma. ability. Charisma, look, I mean, pound for, if Chad Gable was, you know, 70 pounds heavier and, you know, another foot taller, he'd, he'd, he'd have to be, he'd be your next Kurt Angle. Great point. Great yeah. point. And you're absolutely, because that dude is uber talented. He is a legitimate fucking athlete. Like there, he is a, he is the real deal, but how much... But he was part of that tag team with Jordan in in NXT. Um, the American something or another. Okay. So much potential. They could have called that team up and made them something if they were going to focus on the tag teams. But you take... Uh, I think there was too much uh, comparison to uh, Shelton and Haas. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. But this, that team is an example of what could be when you take two floundering solo gimmicks, put them t- together, then they they form organic chemistry, much like the New Age Outlaws did. There is no reason why the New Age Outlaws should have been as as successful as they were. You had the roadie. And then you had one of the smoking guns. You put them together, and it organically became arguably the the benchmark of the Attitude Era in terms of tag teams. The New Age Outlaws were the shit. APA is another one. Bradshaw, Farouk, okay. Ron Simmons is as decorated as they come. Bradshaw was mid-carter at best. You put them you know, together, okay, they were you know, the disciples of the Undertaker's ministry when they started as a team. But, man, when they broke away from that and actually became the APA, fucking magic. Yep, yep. You know, that's, you know, going back to the Viking Raiders, it kind of makes you wonder if those guys just need a complete gimmick overhaul. Overhaul, absolutely. The whole Viking Raider thing is too gimmicky. Nobody's going to buy it. Like, these guys are really Vikings? No. That It does... That would have worked in man, if they were in the eighties, they would have been up there, you know, main eventing with the Road Warriors and Demolition and the Powers of Pain and, and, and teams like this. But here in the in, in this century, in twenty twenty three, the whole Viking thing just it's too outdated for me, I feel like. Maybe that's my my issue with them. It could be, you know, I 
I've been thinking, you know, do you turn them into bikers and still call them like the Viking Raiders as bikers and shit? I don't know what you do with these guys. I mean, you put Valhalla with them, and to me, she didn't add nothing. Absolutely not. Number one, she dressed just like them. And, and number two, she doesn't stand apart. I mean, look, within minutes, they put her in the ring with that uh, Maxine Dupree. Mm-hmm. Put her in the ring with Maxine Dupree. And one suplex later, Maxine pins Mary Dobson or Valhalla. You know, Mary Dobson's been on the indie circuit for years and is an excellent, excellent worker. But, you know, got her as Valhalla. She's a tree or some shit. I don't even know what the fuck she is. So. <laughs> the tree lady. The um, tree lady. <laughs> we're coming up on, on an hour here. Um, that was a quick hour. <laughs> it was, too. If you were to put, you were to strap the rocket ship on a current wrestler in WWE okay push him to the moon is there one guy that stands out right now as this is your next bona fide main event star on the rise that could in that could that you could see headlining Wrestlemania in a year or two so does this mean in current gimmick or if I could rewrite their gimmick into a decent storyline. I was thinking as their current gimmick. Fuck. Well, that kills off my number one pick. I absolutely love Rick Boogs, but I absolutely hate Rick Boogs. Um, if, if, it, if it was me with that guy, I, I would completely change his gimmick, make him, make him ravishing Rick Boogs, make him do the entire ravishing rick grude gimmick the robe the manager have the manager peel the robe off of him get rid of the stupid guitar guitar gimmicks have never never worked from max Payne to uh what the hell was his name in wwe man mountain rock man mountain (laughs) rock get rid of the stupid guitar you know um anybody if i could put on a rocket ship trajectory that's in the wwe specifically right now it would have to be. Let me talk to you. <laughs> yes, that's my pick. L A Knight. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. He he's about the only one. I hate the name L A Knight. What are you gonna do? WWE creative couldn't come up with anything better. Every time I hear the name, the only thing I can think of is the British Knight shoes from the nineteen eighties. And, I uh, think of LA Law. LA Law. <laughs> <laughs> For whatever reason, you know, I was like, fuck. I, I would I would have liked to have seen them put the money in the bank on him instead of Damian Priest. Uh I do kind of enjoy the storyline going on between uh Damian Priest and Finn Balor. You know, uh I think they could really build that into something. But LA Knight despite his, and I hate to use this term, advanced age, because I'm older than L.A. Knight, yeah. um, I think he is the guy 
that if anyone should be able to put up a fight with Roman, because I, really, I don't give a shit about Seth Rollins. I no, really, I no. Roman Reigns is a WWE champion. I give zero fucks about that fake belt that Seth Rollins is holding. I was going to ask you about that earlier on when we were, you know, balls deep in the whole Romanist champion conversation, what your opinion was of this new world heavyweight championship that's created for Monday Night Raw. Um, I didn't realize you had such strong feelings against Seth Rollins. They made a belt for him. It's kind of like when we were in the power trip. <laughs> and, you know, the, the the booker man knew that I had the potential to be a heavyweight champ, but he didn't want me to be the heavyweight champ at that time. So he made me the power trip champion. Well, I'll still brag about that for days and days and days. That's what Seth Rollins is. He's the power trip champion. You know, he, uh, <laughs> they made that belt so that they could have a focal point on Monday Night Raw, uh, you know, which is why I appreciate and respect the fact that even though they gave that new belt to Roman Reigns, that Paul Heyman is still carrying the two old belts, kind of like an FU to Monday Night Raw and Seth Rollins, because Roman Reigns is the true heavyweight champion in that company. I have made at if I had the book I would keep it as one world champion that would bounce back and forth between Raw and Smackdown week to week your focal point on respective shows would be what's deemed the secondary titles the United States Championship for one the Intercontinental Championship for the other Focus your week-to-week storylines around those titles, around those champions, and restore the credibility to those those titles. Um, I, you make very good points here, um, and I see why they made the world heavyweight title for Monday Night Raw so that both brands have exclusive world titles, but it diminishes the WWE championship or, and I hate the fact that they're even referring it right now as the undisputed universal title. Fuck that. He is the world wrestling entertainment champion. That is the most prestigious championship in this business. Why are we trying to erase part of that lineage? I mean, from a McMahon standpoint, I get it. This is the part about Vince McMahon that, bugs the shit out of me even though i've been such a loyal supporter of him but like as he's getting up there (laughs) it it it, it's time to just go back to retirement because things were on the trajectory the where we wanted to see him with triple h fully in charge since vince has come back into the fold it has really taken a step or two back um but I am a Seth Rollins fan. Like the way he continues to reinvent himself, I appreciate that. I okay. I'm not invested in the Seth Rollins character. I've never have been from from when he was Tyler Black in NXT to the point where he was in the Shield. You know, never never cared for him. Um, but I can appreciate 
like you said, how he reinvents himself. He keeps himself fresh, you know, because uh, that's what you got to do to remain relevant. But the secondary title, he should be holding an intercontinental title. He shouldn't be holding the belt that he's currently holding because he didn't beat Roman for either the other two belts. He won a grilling tournament. <laughs> he beat AJ well, Styles in the finals. Oh, come on. AJ Styles hasn't been relevant since TNA was in its infancy. Whoa. So. His debut at the Royal Rumble was, I mean, that was not up to Jericho level, but man, it was goddamn close. The pop he got when he, because nobody really knew he was coming over. He was snuck into the building. I don't know. AJ Styles, I mean, granted, nowadays he has kind of, you know, tapered off. He's not nearly as prominently featured as he once was, but like, even as I didn't see a lot of his shit in TNA, but like I read enough about him to have an opinion that this is a big name and for him to come over to WWE was a big damn deal. Um, but you know, that's my visual exposure to AJ Styles has primarily been in WWE but I recognize the fact what the guy is. The problem is, is for me, when I see guys like AJ Styles, when he was in TNA and I see how watered down they become in the WWE, that's when I really have a problem with them, especially when they went so far as, you know, AJ was in the bullet club and then it became the club. And then, you know, it's, I, I hate watered down versions of the originals. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's like Ronda Rousey when she came out dressed up as Rowdy Piper. I was pissed off. Uh, what's her name? Uh, the Marine chick. Lacey Evans. She comes out dressed up like Sergeant Slaughter. Kind of pissed me off. You know, you're a watered-down version of, you know, originals. I know everyone takes something from someone else, and you can compare L.A. Knight to The Rock, and you can compare L.A. Knight to Steve Austin. The difference is, is they make it, he makes it his own, you know. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter, he would tell people to salute him. What's Lacey Evans doing? Salute me. Why? Because your your boobs are hiked up to your chin and you're showing your ass off? No. You know, make me respect you. You know, maybe you'll get that salute. Roman Reigns, acknowledge me. Fucking A right. An entire arena will cheer for him. Lacey right. Evans, salute me. They'll laugh her out of the building. They fucked her up bad. They, yeah. sh- they should have kept her as the, the Southern Belle. That... <laughs> That stood out. That's what made me a fan of hers. When she started, when they really, and I, and I understand, like, they're trying to tie into her real-life experiences in the Marines and stuff like that, and I respect that. But it does come off as a Sergeant Slaughter parody, for, yeah. for, the, for the lack of a better term. And to the point to where Slaughter has gone out and actually condemned her character, she's doing yeah. the Cobra Clutch and the whole nine yards. So, you know, obviously he did not he did not give that blessing, much like you saw when Owens started doing the stunner. That wouldn't have happened without Steve Austin's approval, right? right. So, 
obviously, like you're you're making good points here in terms of correlation. This is a watered down version of that. Um, you know, Lacey Evans. My favorite incarnation of her is when she was doing the Rosie the Riveter and the Women's Right. I yeah. thought that was great. Uh, no one's no one ever seen it before. And she'd hit hit you with the, and she does throw a really nice right hand, but now it's the Cobra Clutch and eh, I can do without it. So, is there any other aspects that you want that you want to? I mean, we could sit here for hours and hours and hours and, and break this shit down. But is there any any other points of 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 conversation you want to bring to the table this week? Other than Cody Rhodes is overrated, but that's just me. Well, that you know, that's what I was going to say real quick. And I know I don't know because it doesn't show me the time on my end. But Cody Rhodes wrestling Brock Lesnar, I don't think it does anything for anybody other than Brock. Because if Cody goes over on Brock, Brock is so hit or miss on his appearances. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that it's going to have the type of hype behind it that let's say maybe if Cody and LA Knight were feuding, you know what I mean? Um, I would have liked to see more verbal altercations. So if you, I, you would have put an LA Knight with a Cody Rhodes with the title match on the line, I think it would have made for more riveting TV than what we're getting right now. Uh, I don't think Brock is going to be the build or the stepping stone that the WWE is looking for for Cody. And if Cody doesn't go over on Brock, he's not going to get to sympathy pop. I think he's just going to be <clears throat> cast aside like so many other potential champions. You know what I'm saying? I don't think the fans will buy into him anymore if he loses to Brock. I'll be honest, I, I don't understand why people are buying into him the way that they are. And I, there's just nothing about this dude that stands out for me. I mean, I because of who he is, like I know who he is, obviously. But there's just something. And I don't know if it's because I look at him from my perspective as this era's John Cena, where he's getting shoved down my fucking throat. And is it going to take 15, 20 years down the line for me to have some degree of um, respect for Cody Rhodes that he probably do does deserve? Like, it took me up until this point to look back and actually appreciate what John Cena did. You know, but at the time, I, I couldn't stand the dude. I rooted for Carlito over this guy because I did not want John Cena as the guy. I didn't like the gimmick. I didn't like anything. But you look back on what he's done, he's like, you can't help but respect what he brought to the business. I don't feel like I'm going to feel this way about Cody Rhodes because he's getting shoved down our throat and I feel like he plays way too heavy on who his father was. You yes. know what I'm saying? Like, like, okay, mention it. I mean, you have the same last name. Cool. But don't build your whole presentation on the fact that, that you're Dusty's son. The reason why Goldust was so successful because it was such a, a departure 
from being Dustin Rhodes. You couldn't help but pay attention. And then you then you got invested in in the gimmick and the character. And Dustin Rhodes' career would not be what it is if he had not ever become gold dust. Cody Rhodes is is just I don't know, man. There's just so much about this dude that ruffles my feathers for the lack of a better term. Cody Rhodes is this generation's David San Martino. <laughs> I agree. The, the only difference is, is Cody can actually work. David San Martino was decent at best, but I mean, I see more potential in Cody than I did David San Martino because I remember watching David San Martino, you know, in the eighties and they were trying to build him up. And, and that was, that was a huge thing. A huge issue with you with him is they kept comparing him to Bruno. And you, trying to shove him down our throats. Yeah. Like they're doing with Cody. Yeah. So. Yeah. You can go back to WrestleMania one and see that match that David had with Brutus Beefcake and the fact that Bruno was in his corner. That match would not have taken place on that card had Bruno not been in in his kid's corner on, on that particular day, in my opinion. At that particular building, Madison Square yeah. Garden. Look how many times Bruno sold that building out, you know? Yeah, yeah. And Bruno got a bigger pop going after Johnny Valiant than David got going after Brutus Beefcake. You heard that in, in the ring intros. When yeah. as soon as soon as Howard Finkel said Bruno San Martino, that place blew up. You could barely hear David's name because they were still clamoring over Bruno. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, Cody Rhodes is U.S. champ at best, in my yeah, he's opinion. He's not the guy. He's not no, the guy. Certainly not. Certainly not. This was a fun conversation, man. Yeah, it was. For being impromptu and on the spot. And uh, I hate, for those of you who tuned in to hear 80s talk, uh, well, there was some 80s talk here this week. We did some uh, comparisons. We did. Uh, we will be back next week with an exclusive 80s topic, theoretically, unless we get off on another one of these organic tan- you know, tangents or what have you. But, hey, look, this is real life, and, uh, you know, we call it audible from time to time. That's right. I'm okay with that. Uh, yeah, I'm here for it. So, cool. Uh, we certainly appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, stay tuned to all of our social media endeavors you can look for power tripping through the 80s on facebook go to close to the heart.net the official website of the network and check out the online store cafepress.com forward slash pfc network uh mr Google, you want to throw in your plugs um look for uh Go to ebay.com, power tripping 80s. We're about halfway to getting that call call out from uh, Emmanuel Lewis, uh, a.k.a. TV 80s icon Webster. Also, uh, you can check out, uh, go to Levi Blue's cameo page. I think he dropped his prices down to like $1.99 for a shout out. I mean, is that right? Yeah, pretty crazy. And uh, I don't know. can Can we expand on that real quick? Yeah. The whole cameo thing, and I, I know Levi's going to hear this, so, you know, whatever. Um, 
you don't have to just keep it regulated to shout outs or happy birthdays. If I wanted to tell somebody to fuck off, could I hire Levi Blue to cut a promo on somebody? Oh, I'm pretty sure he'd be more than happy to do something like that for you. I got a list. (laughs) (laughs) I have a list and I have a Benjamin Franklin sitting right here that I I could do. um, and I can incorporate there, but be that as it may, I just, I say that kind of tongue in cheek. Well, kind of tongue in cheek, but well, it's like I was saying earlier. It's it's not that you or I can't afford to get the shout out for Emmanuel Lewis, right? You know, we're we feel like we're providing a service. We we hope that we're proving ourselves to you as far as your weekly entertainment goes. So it would be nice to see. I don't want to say appreciation or reciprocation, but, you know, just give us a like, give us a share, you know, share, share. If you like a show, share it to your friends, see if they like the show, you know, we're more than happy to, you know, Hey, give me a shout out. Okay. We'll do that. on power tripping through the eighties. You know what I'm saying? Just, uh, acknowledge us. Well, okay, with that, we're getting out of here. I, I can't I can't top that. I can't top that. Hey, we appreciate you tuning in this week. We'll be right back here next Wednesday with a brand new episode of Power Tripping Through the 80s here on the PFC Entertainment Network.